Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're back. You're listening to the game main based on sympathy, but you already knew that you're tuned into the podcast for anybody to relate on any given day. So as y'all know, I love to give recognition and shout outs to, as I like to call it, those in the trenches, those who are out here on my level doing it. So for this week's trench war shout out, it goes to my boy, John, the founder of Spicy Wear. Wear spicy, look spicy, spicy wear. What's going on, everyone? My name is John King, and I'm the founder and CEO of Spicy Wear. Spicy Wear is a lifestyle clothing brand that'll make you look sharp, fresh, and sexy. When you wear Spicy Wear, you're going to feel confident, elegant, approachable, and want to bring an energy to the table. Wear spicy, look spicy, Spicy Wear. If you want to look spicy today, shop now on SpicyWearClothing.com or check me out on Instagram at SpicyWear or contact me personally at SpicyWearJK. For the website, that's S-P-I-C-Y-W-E-A-R-C-L-O. T-H-I-N-G dot com. And for the Instagram, that's S-P-I-C-Y-W-E-A-R. Have a good day, everyone. Stay spicy. So I was on the, tra- I was on the train, um, what, maybe a week or two ago. I was heading down to, I think, Manhattan or Soho to try and promote my podcast and gather some information. And I was on the train and I was asking some random people, you know, what are some topics they'd like to hear on a podcast or questions, you know, they want answered if they were to come on. And I had the pleasure of meeting a man on the train. We had a nice little uh, quick conversation real quick, and he told me he was an actor. And so I told him that if he was ever interested, I'd love to have him on my show. And today, I have the pleasure of having that man on my show, ladies and gentlemen. And that man goes by the name of Miles Newverth. Miles, how are you doing today? I'm all right. I'm all right. Good. Um, So, good luck, yo. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show, supporting... um, I love the support. Thank you very much. I see also the pleasure of you being my first interview. So before we get into the show, why don't you let people know a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Uh, I'm Miles Newberth, as you said. Uh, 28 years old. I was born and raised in Minnesota. Okay. Uh, I've been in the city about eight years at this point. I'm just trying to be an actor, you know, uh, one step at a time. How do you like Get it out here so way. far? I love it. I usually do, I usually couldn't tell you why I love it. Uh, I'm not sure, but like something about the way like I've learned to live in this city has been uh, has been overall a pretty good experience for me. So you said you moved out here about eight years ago. What brought you out here? Um, I knew some people going to school for okay. film acting out here, and I I just dropped out of college uh, after two years. I went for musical theater originally. Okay. Um, I stayed with my parents for like six months, waiting tables, saving up money, and I moved out here to to be with the people I knew were gonna try to be making films, so I could I could try and join them. So that's great. That's great. Well, since we are gonna be talking about movies and acting today, I thought what better way to start the show than with a little all-time movie ranking. So I'm gonna ask you first, what's uh, what kind of movies first are you into, and or like what genre, what theme of movies, and then what what would you say is like your top five movie list? It's tough. I, I, there's a bunch of different things I like, but um, if you were to ask any of my friends, they would tell you probably like the aesthetic I'm most into is like old fashioned Sergio Leone directed westerns, like spaghetti westerns. Okay, I'm not. Um, I, I'm actually not too familiar with westerns. So. Sure. Um, like the some of the biggest names, probably the most referenced western of all time, and just other movies would be The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Okay. Um, like I could show you like 
so many scenes from movies that reference it, or like Looney Tunes referenced the main music stinger like all the time. Okay. Just because when it came out, however long ago, it was so iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and something about the way those movies are shot uh, is just something we don't see anymore at right. all. It's funny, actually, there was a scene in the first 10 minutes of uh, John Wick 3. I don't know if you saw that when it came out. No, I saw, has... the, I saw the first or second, but I haven't gotten a chance to see the third one yet. It's great. There is a scene... Uh, where there's just like one shot of of um of John Wick that is blatantly an exact shot recreation from The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and I okay. about died in my seat. I'll I have to check it. I'll out. have to be on the lookout for that and check that out. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm a big fan of just like specifically those westerns, the way they were shot. It's not something we see much these days. Right. So I love that. I also am a big fan of like martial arts movies, some okay. action stuff. I don't know. I think some. I don't know what order they would go in, but. Um, my favorite westerns probably Once Upon a Time in the West by Sergio okay. Leone, excellent film. Uh, I'm a big fan of um, uh, The Matrix. Just, just okay, it's it's a classic. Like okay. The Matrix, like did so much for film in that mm-hmm. it was an incredible action movie. Had some just amazing philosophy in it and. They did so much innovation that's what with I, technology. That's what I hear. Well. I hear The Matrix has a lot of good philosophy. I've never actually sat down to watch the matrix i caught like a couple clips of it with my godbrothers when i was like a kid sure but it was just something it's like it wasn't a movie that i guess because i didn't catch it you know at an old enough age or growing up it wasn't something that i ever like had to want to go back and watch again but i have recently well not recently but i've heard a lot that they do have a lot of good philosophy in that movie yeah um so i might have to go and check it out it's it's very cool I almost envy you because, like, I was thinking recently, like, if I could rewatch a movie for the first time, it would probably be The Matrix. Really? Just because I watched it when I was young and, like, and I liked it. I thought it was very cool. But looking at it now, I'm like, I wonder how different this experience would be if, like, the first time I saw it, it was I, was, now. I was an adult. Like, right. a, a fully formed mm-hmm. human. So I, I kind of envy you that. And I was like, it's because, so now, because now that I might watch it, now that, you know, at an older age, um, getting into life, learning these lessons, I might pick up more, you know, and relate to some of the things that are going on in the movie versus, like you said, if I had when I saw it first as a kid. Exactly. Like, I I loved it as a kid. Like, I ran around in my friend's yard and we played Matrix. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was a good experience, but, like, there's so much about it that I didn't, that just didn't click with me then. Right. And it would be cool to see how that, what that click feels like if it's happening, like, in real time when you're watching the movie as opposed to like later you're like oh now i get it from yeah. that movie i saw when i was younger so um other than that i don't know uh uh pick three more movies quick i love speed racer uh like ev- everyone slept on this movie no one went and saw it and it's like mostly for kids but like it's wild it's beautiful like the if you look at the shots and are like the work they had to put in to make all these shots fit together in this way mm-hmm. is staggering um and the main character blatantly has attention deficit disorder, and they never talk about it. Okay. It's just a thing that he has. And that was really cool for me, because pretty much the only time you see attention deficit disorder in movies is, like, if there's a cartoon squirrel. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it was cool to see, like, the main character, who is, like, the best at what he does, right. also has these things about him that I relate to very deeply, and mm-hmm. that's something I didn't see in a movie before, Speed Racer. So I love that one. Um, I don't know. Uh, two more, real quick. Um... Birdman, shot beautifully. Never heard film. of it. 
It's great. And I've the, never heard of so it. So the whole thing is shot. It wasn't shot in one take, but it's shot in these long takes that are edited together okay. so that it looks like it's all one take, the entire movie. And so it's these shots, like, moving through this this um, theater uh, where they're putting on a play and you, like, get to know these characters through it. It's, like, the way they put that t- movie together is staggering. Like, even if you the story doesn't get you, like... Mm-hmm just the way they made the movie is an accomplishment. I love that. The fact that you said that it shot in so many different takes, but the transition are so smooth and seamless that it seems like it's all in one movie. Yeah. I love I love things like that. Um, and that's what I want to find somewhere like with audio too. I love that. Um, like when you can, like you said, do thing, things in so many bits and pieces and you just seam it all together and it all sounds like it'd be one take, one transition. I love those because that's where you get a lot of like your... Like your special effects people come to play, your videography people coming in, and the producers and the editors. So I love that. Yeah. And then yeah. what's your last movie? <clears throat> the last movie of my top five has got to be, oh, my first memory of a movie theater growing up. When they re-released Star Wars Episode Four in theaters, uh, okay. my dad took me. I was young, and I walked out of the theater, and I was like, Dad, that was amazing. And he's like, we own the next two on VHS. So VHS, I gotta say, if, if y'all aren't familiar with VHS, that's the VCR tapes. I remember yes. having those. I used to. I'm I showing love, my 28 year old this now. Yes. Aren't I? Yeah. The VCR before DVDs. Before if you still, DVDs. If you know what DVDs are at this point, I don't know. Yeah, because a lot of people. I remember. And it, that's thing. It wasn't even too long ago. You remember when Blu-ray players had first came out, and that yeah. was such a big thing. And that was just such a small segment. And now nobody buys DVDs anymore. No, it's just you get your and I know your movies through streaming through services. Streaming, or and online. I know damn sure my kids will not know what a VCR or VHS tape is no. at all. No, they won't at all. But I would say my five top movies. Number one, I could say hands off off the bat. I've watched this so many times. Is Back to the Future. Okay, I love okay. Back to the Future. Play. I can do it line by line. Um. Back to the Future one and two. Back to the Future one and two. The third one I wasn't a fan of. The Western sure. one, it just it, it, they took away just from like just the overall I guess story of yeah, Back to the Future. They, they don't play with the same ideas. Like there's they some don't. charming references to the the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly and Fistful of Dollars in those movies in it. Okay, and I respect it for that. But yeah, it doesn't have the same. It doesn't have nearly the magic of the first two. Um, the only movie that I went to see twice in theaters, and it was actually back to back days, thirteen hours. The story about the Benghazi. Uh, true story about ah, Benghazi. Have sure. you seen it? I've not. Do you I, like, I are you a fan? Of, it, are you a fan of military movies or war honestly, movies? Honestly, sometimes I usually don't seek them out, but usually okay. when I watch them, I really enjoy them. It's weird. That's like, the thing. I don't seek them out either. But if somebody puts me on, or if I get put onto them, I love. I like them. So like, I was a big Black Hawk Down used to be my favorite sure. military war movie. But Thirteen Hours: The Story of the Benghazi um, Attack. Like I said, I went to see it back to back days, and that was the first movie that I've ever seen back to back. My fourth movie would have to be this: A Childhood Goonies. Sure, love yeah, the Goonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. Goonies Classic. never say die. Goonies never <laughs> say die. And it was all these, but it's funny, I say, I can't even give credit to myself for seeing these movies because these were all movies that like I saw with like my grandmother because she, and, cause I was still a kid around the time that these came out or these had been out for a minute. So I was a kid when I was seeing these, but my grandmother really put me on to these movies. And then the last one, have you ever heard of Max Dugan Returns? Have you ever seen Max Dugan Returns? No, you know what that I'm is? I'm unfamiliar with this. What I don't even. This? I might have to look. I might have to look it up. That was a great movie. Um, okay, like I'll I said, look that up. I'll it's called up. Max Dugan Returns. It probably came out in like the somewhere around the '80s, sure. maybe a little earlier. But so you said you came out here what eight years ago from Minnesota? Yeah. Um, 
what overall, I guess, what was the first thing that kind of made you say, hey, I, I want to be an actor or this is something I'd like to do? So I've been acting since I was tiny. Uh, okay. My first my first theater production was um, I was in a musical at my church. It was A Technical Promise, which was the story of Noah's Ark. Okay. Um, <laughs> and um, I got hooked on that. Uh, I started doing um, some classes at the community theater we had. Um, I, I did... Um, uh, we did this this theater troupe that did improv fairy tales, and we went around to the elementary schools and performed for the other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I performed at Renaissance festivals growing up, um, and I did all my like my high school shows. So I've been acting the whole time. Right. Thing is, like, I sang and I acted, and so everyone kept telling me you should do musicals, like, because you can sing and act at the same time. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. So I went to school for musical theater, and um, where at uh, University of Minnesota Duluth. Um, they have they have a, a decently well known program in the area, okay. uh, and like Minneapolis, Minnesota has a pretty large uh, theater scene. Mm-hmm. Um, just it's kind of like a bubble where it's they do great theater, but like you never leave only for that area. <laughs> yeah, okay. you know, yeah. like sure. Like I've seen some of the best shows uh, in my life, like in their Fringe Festival, and I've been out here for eight years watching shows. Mm-hmm. Like, but I've seen some of the best theater I've ever seen up there, but like. No one, no one goes to Minneapolis to go see a, a play, you know, right. like or not nearly as much as the people who like plan their week long trip to New York to come see the Lion King, you know. Yeah. Um. So it's a weird thing. Uh. But yeah, after two years, I was like, one, I can't dance, so I shouldn't be doing musical <laughs> theater. Um. So I dropped out, and my parents had actually moved to North Carolina because they were like, we're done with the cold. You, you and your brother moved out. We're gonna go. You can visit us. Fair in North enough. Carolina. Fair enough. Yeah. So I lived, moved in with them for six, uh, six months, saved up. And I came out to New York. Um, and right away I started doing like, because uh, all I had done is theater. Because there, there aren't any community film studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a, a, a thing that I think about a lot. And I would love to start that so kids can like learn about that. Sure. When they're, yeah, when yeah. they're kids. The way you do at like a community theater. Um, but I came out, I did some like off-off-Broadway shows, met some people, had a, had a good time. And then like a year and a half in... Uh, or somewhere between like six months and a year and a half of being out here, uh, a kid I knew who was going to NYU was like, I need an actor to come in for class and film this scene. And I sat down, filmed this scene, stood up. They were like, that was great. I was like, yeah, uh, this is it. This is what I need to be doing. So since then, I've I've done one stage show and all the rest of the time I've been out here, and that's only because the person who wrote it wrote me apart. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I've just been doing... Uh, short films, student films. I did a feature horror film that I don't know if it's ever going to get distributed. Um, is that the? I was. Is that the one um, where you looks like you're controlling puppets? No, that one is a short what, film. What is that? actually a comedy? What, what is that? So oh, that, it's a com- Okay, I know. It's it's. It's a, it's a dark comedy. It's a dark comedy. We, okay. Uh, the poster uh, uh, calls it a comedy with corpses. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's a great film. Um, I, I love it. it. It's been going to festivals. We just were in two film festivals and we won awards at both. Oh, congratulations uh, one on One audience choice and the other one we won best at festival. Um, we're going to hear back about a couple more festivals this month. So I'm hoping that that happens. But no, uh, I'm unbearably proud of that film. Like, it turned out so well. How um, long, um, when did it... How long did this shooting for that film take, and when did y'all release it, or when did it get uh, released? So, um, like, I want to say, like, two and a half years ago okay. is when we started filming. Um, and it we filmed it all in a weekend, uh, or wow. maybe a weekend and a half. How long is it? Um, 15 minutes. Oh, okay. yeah. so, so it's, it's a short it's, film. It's, it's a, a short, short film, yeah. okay. Um, 
but it's funny because this this friend of mine, uh, Chris London, super funny guy. Uh, he had been working on another short film, and people had come to him and been like, "Hey, we have a script. We would love to see if you could like punch it up, make it a little funnier." Um, and he reads it, and it's about and it's called Uncle Gareth, and it's about this guy who's like like neurotic and can't handle the social world, so. He uses the inherited funeral home that he now runs mm-hmm. to like bring home corpses and socialize with them. <laughs> um, and he's like, "Yeah, I can find the humor in this." And so he rewrites it for him. And then they eventually decide not to make it. And he's like, "Oh, well, then I'm gonna do it." Right. And the whole time he'd been telling me like, "You'd be great for this role if they ever make it." So when he had control of it, he was like, "It's yours. I'm gonna write this for you." Um, but yeah, we we filmed the whole thing in in a weekend and a half and then for post-production we have to launch a kickstarter to get the money because mm-hmm. our producer was able to find money for production but for post we had to kickstart right. we managed to pull it off which that kind of thing makes me anxious because like the only way to be successful at it is like reaching out to every single person you know and like right. personally being like hey here's what we're doing here's the problem we have like thing is like like everyone's like, oh, I guess if they're close, I'll help them get over. But we're never gonna get close unless everyone Every, pitch, it, like if everyone pitched in their five dollars right away, we'd make it and we wouldn't have to worry about it. But okay. everyone's waiting to see how close we get. Mm-hmm. So I explained that to them. They're like, uh, you're right. I'll throw in you in my five, ten, fifteen dollars. You do that with every person you've ever met, and enough of them do it that you get to finish your movie. Right. Um. So it was done out of post production like a year and a half ago, and our producer. Uh, did less than an ideal job of submitting us to festivals. And then uh, the director wanted to help, but the producer was like, no, I'm doing it alone. And then eventually he was like, fine, here's the sign-in information for what I've been doing. You can apply to stuff. So we could see all the applications he sent. Mm -hmm. And they were not filled out all the way or like the cover letters were very bad. So a while later, um, Chris, the director and writer, was like, I'm going to try again. We're going to try. So it's been a long time since it's been finished. Right. But we're just now starting to get it into festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's actually online at YouTube and Vimeo. So if anyone listening wants to check it out, it's very funny. It's quick. Um, we have two, like, kind of, like, bigger YouTubers in it if you're into, like, gaming YouTube community. Um, there's a guy who who went by the name of Critical for a while, and he's a voice in it. And then all the music's done by a guy named Ace Waters, who has a pretty big following for doing, like, video game covers. But okay. he's a great composer. So. And what what's the name of the film, and where can people find it again? Uncle Gareth. Uncle on Gareth. YouTube and Vimeo. YouTube and Vimeo. Yeah. Um, so my second question, you kind of already answered it when you said um, you uh, this is when you knew you needed to, this is what you want to do. Um, yeah. There is a moment I decided to make it my job. As opposed to something I liked. Okay. So I, can, I can tell that story. Uh, I was in the troupe that goes to Renaissance Festivals for our for m- my local theater. And until this point, um, my mom's a software engineer, but she was also... She just recently retired and became a full-time uh, artist. She does incredible acrylic paintings. Um, but so, like, my whole life I was like, ah, I love acting, but I want to live comfortably. So I'm going to be a software engineer like mom, and I want to work in video games. So I was... I was telling the the guy who runs the troupe, who seemed like an adult at the time, but now I'm realizing he was 20. And as a 28-year-old now, I'm like, oh, I didn't know anything at 20. So, like, he didn't know what he was he talking didn't. about. But I tell him basically that. I'm like, but, you know, I want to live comfortably or I want to, like, so a software engineer. And he just looks at me. He's like, yeah, how important is that to you? And I was like... Actually, not very. And in that one moment, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> um... 
which it was probably an irresponsibly young age for me to make that decision, mm-hmm. uh, but I've stuck with it so far. <laughs> How was, um, so when you first told your parents, you know, hey mom, I want to... I want to drop out of college and pursue acting. How did how did they take it at first? So I was so they knew I wanted to be an actor long before that because I went to school for acting, mm-hmm. um, and they've been they've been like crazy supportive. Like I've been super lucky with how supportive my parents have been, and even now, like I started this new day job, and they're like, "But you're still trying to act, right?" And I'm like, "Yes, um, I just need money to try and like produce the stuff I want to make and that sort of thing." Um, but they're super supportive of me. Um, But at the same time, they're like, if you do decide you want to go back to college at some point for something else, we will help you out. Like, they're they're unbearably supportive. See, and I think that's a big thing, and that's a big key, especially for, you know, our generation, my generation, especially, and below us, is having that support system. And now, with everything and seeing how the world's going and the fact that you don't have to go to college, it's having that support system and being, and, you know, having, like, the backing from your parents and them saying, hey... You know, this might not be in line with our vision and what we had planned for you, but this is what you want to do. We're going to be supportive of you because it's it feels better, and it, I guess it makes the journey a little bit easier when you know that there's people back there supporting you, yeah. and they're not just wishing that. I hope he makes some mistakes so that way I can tell I I can tell oh, you I, I told, told you so. so. Yeah. Yeah. So I like I said I was I I feel that that feeds into a lot of how people's how they how they're gonna take their journey is yeah. because. Although it's a big thing, and I try to tell people, don't let other people's perceptions and opinions, you know, affect what you do. But it's kind of hard. It's and gonna then have it's some even, sort of effect. It's gonna, you know? and like I said, it's even harder when you have those negative opinions and perceptions of you. So it is a good thing that your parents were there to be like, hey, we fully support you. And the fact that they're still going with, hey, you got a job, but you're still acting right because yeah. now they know that's what you want to do. And now it, look, it sounds like that's kind of what their vision is becoming for you. So. And when it comes to, like, having dropped out, like, I, I did two years of school, and at the end of my second year, there were a couple things. One, I was realizing I, I don't know that I want to do musicals, necessarily. Um, but two, uh, the money I'd put away for college was gone, so I was going to have to start being in debt. Right. So I went to them and was like, hey, with these two things being the case, I was thinking maybe not staying in college. And they are like, actually, yeah, that sounds smart. Like, I don't see, like, you shouldn't get into debt for trying to continue a degree Something that you, that you don't, don't know do. how to do. Yeah. And I'm like, great, cool. I'm going to, and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll have you stay with us for a bit until you're, you're ready to go out and take on the world. So. But no, for real, huge shout out to your parents yeah. because they were a hundred percent supportive and I appreciate that. They were really, because there's a lot of parents out there who are going to say, even if this isn't what you want to do, this is still like you're staying in college. I know a lot of, and that's why I tell a lot of people, if you're not happy with it, don't do it, but have a plan. Yeah. Um, what do you think has been the toughest challenge so far within acting so far, as well as moving out here to New York to pursue your dream? Um, I feel like I kind of lucked out with the moving out here because I knew people out here and specifically like I knew people who had been in, in dorm housing and they mm-hmm. were going to need to find an apartment. So like they were looking right when I came. Okay. So like we like met up found a place together um and i just been working at an applebee's in north carolina so i got a job at an applebee's uh in brooklyn it was uh it was the not- worst <laughs> but it was a, a job north carolina is not brooklyn no yeah <laughs> it was it was a, a very different experience but it, it got i got that job and i did that long enough to get like a real waiting job at a restaurant in manhattan and that kind of is how i lived so like the transition moving out here wasn't that tough for me and i feel like part of that's like 
I wasn't really an adult in college. Right. Like, I was, I was kind of learning how to be, like, because I, I started paying rent for the first time at, a, at my second year, and I had a job to do that. But, like, the only place I've really been a full adult is New York. Mm-hmm. So, like, I didn't have to relearn how to be an adult in New York City, because... I, it this was is the first only, place I learned. Right. If I ever move anywhere else, I'm going to have to learn how to be an adult outside of New York City. <laughs> but but no, nah, if you can be an adult in New York City, you can you can be an adult anywhere. That's fair. I just got to get used to anywhere. driving again because it's been a while. That's <laughs> where I like I have a car, but I hate driving. I'd rather take... Because what, what do you take? You take the train, right? You take the yeah, two the, train. The, the, you the walk up to the junction. You walk up to the yeah. junction. And it's a quick walk right there. Yeah. I'd rather walk up to the junction where I could take a dollar van, hop on the train... As opposed to having to drive, find somewhere to park in New York because that's the worst. Then you got to worry about yeah. getting tickets. That's the worst. Yeah. No. No thanks. Um, so like, but th- so that's been pretty easy for me. The hardest part about being an actor is a couple things. Um, one, there's a lot of people trying to do it, um, and and some people have have more advantages than others. Sure. And it could be something as simple as like, oh, someone came out to New York and they had family out here they could stay with. So like yep. so they have a-, a lot less bills while they're trying exactly. to get auditions. Or it could be like even like, okay, um like like someone's parents are are well off enough and willing to like so pay for they're how financially they live. supportive yeah. exactly so they don't um, have to worry about it, yep. Yeah, whereas like my parents have been uh, tremendously supportive and like when I'm in an emergency they'll help me out, but they they don't have the means or like I don't think if they did they would want to want to like just pay for my living situation just because and that's they a also thing shouldn't I should ha- learn. and yeah. actually no they also shouldn't have to now that no. you're adult and everything too. yeah yeah <laughs> but like so like there like there's a million people trying to do it some of them have more resources than 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 me um, but the biggest thing is a lot of times you don't know what the next step's supposed to be there isn't like a, a specific ladder to climb because like. If I want to own a restaurant someday, I could start by waiting tables, becoming a manager, becoming a general manager, Working get those skills, yeah. meeting the people I need to, to like, who believe in, in my restaurant's vision to fund my restaurant. That's a, that's a ladder you can climb. Mm-hmm. As an actor, like, it's all over the place. Like, I moved out here. I did short films and student films right away. I do a lot of stuff for YouTube with my friend Chris London. Um, and... Uh, and like then like oh someone I met in North Carolina is shooting a feature film so I'm getting the biggest paycheck I've gotten to date to shoot this uh, horror film and they're flying me to to two different cities and then I'm back here and I'm waiting tables again uh, and then I, I do a short film that's the best film I've ever been in that I'm so proud of and then we don't get into festivals because they're filled out wrong so I'm back to I'm waiting tables and and killing time. And then it's going to festivals, and now I don't know how to turn that into opportunities. So, like, you're out, you're auditioning, you're hoping for things, but you don't know what the next step's supposed to be. Right. And recently, a lot of people I know are getting frustrated, like, having to go out to a million auditions to maybe make something that maybe they don't even like, but mm-hmm. they just need work. But they need it. Yeah. So, like, a lot of people have been like, we got to make our own stuff, but even that's expensive. Mm-hmm. So. So you, you're trying to get people with crazy schedules together to like make something you will believe in, uh, to write something and then, and then make it and then like try and scrounge up the equipment you need because it takes a village to make a movie, right. which is part of the magic. Because like when you have everyone together with all these skill sets and it comes together into a movie, like it feels so cool. I'm like, I love building things and that, like that's what it feels like when you're making a movie together. But like doing all that when you have zero dollars to put towards it, suddenly becomes that so much, difficult. That so much like, harder. You, you're either making 
things way lower quality than you want or it takes you so long to make one thing mm-hmm. and then you you throw that online and no one sees it like it's it's a, it's a huge struggle unless right. you're lucky so it, it's tough because you don't because because it's just knowing what the next step is is often so hard so I think that's the biggest struggle so how do you so do, like you said you know it's an oversaturated market there's a lot of people that want to get into this business knowing that and like you said, the getting stuck. How do you, I guess, cope with or deal with or keep yourself up and your spirits up enough to keep going, you know, and keep pursuing even though, you know, hey, like you said, I might go to a million auditions. I might not get one or I might get one and I might not, it might be something I have to do that I might not like. So how do you, what's your advice, people? Or how do you do that on a daily basis in such an oversaturated, like, career field? Um, Keeping people around me who... I like making things with, um, being able to make even just like little things with people on a regular basis or just like talk about your ideas. Um, I, I do, as I mentioned, when I talked about speed racer, I have, I have pretty bad attention deficit disorder. So like I have an issue where like I'll jump around project ideas. I have, I, I have that too. And it's part of my, it's cause my creative is always flowing and I'm always like, Ooh, project. Yeah. Something always better in my mind pops up. So I understand where you're where you're coming my from. My biggest that. thing is I'll often like I'll have an idea and I'll get obsessed with something and I'll like be doing it and coming up with it and I'll hit a point where I'm like, Oh, but I won't be able to do this part of it until I have like money or resources and then I drop it and move on to something else. Um and then so that sits there half finished. I've got a weird little idea that I wanna do, and it's gonna be like a little like web series, little ten minute episodes, science fiction. Um, I'm going to try and have like just the best writing and acting we can because the sets are all going to be miniature miniatures on cardboard. We're going to okay. shoot it. We're going to shoot it on green screens. We're going to have like, um, one of my friends who's a, a tremendous actor is also a professional miniature painter for a Dungeons and Dragons company. What is that? Um, are you familiar with Dungeons and Dragons? Mm-mm. Um, it's a tabletop RPG game. Okay. Like people sit around, uh, they talk about it a lot in stranger things. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, so like you're, you're, you're role playing, um, and some people use like miniatures for it. So like when you're all talking about like, oh, I want my character to head towards that guy and attack him or like, okay, I'm going to cast a spell in the group. People will use miniatures, mm-hmm. um, on like a grid to like show where things are. Okay. Um, okay. 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 Yeah. And so like this guy works for a company that does really high end miniatures for that and like hand paints them. So he's excellent at that. Um, and so he, he's offered to help us like paint these sets um, and I want to try and shoot it like kind of like they did with a lot of Lord of the Rings, where they would make miniatures, shoot green screen, and put them in. Right. Because um, like you see a lot of stuff with like lower quality effects, and then also a lot of times, like like they didn't put time into the script, and the performances aren't all there or whatever. I would love to see like what the reaction is when you have everything except the money. You know, if you and if you put effort into the backgrounds and effects, even though they aren't expensive yeah like if we have good stories and good performances i want to see how people react to that so that's my my current idea um that i'm kicking around because i'm just always obsessing with the idea of like how do i make things with with the the money i can make at a day job innovation yeah yeah i learned that in school this past semester that's it's innovation it's creative innovation doing making something out of nothing so it's yeah what can i do with the least amount of money possible and still make it and still make it my own. Something I'm proud of, you know? Something. What's What do you think up to date so far has been your best fail? In the sense of, 
you knew you failed. It might have been something embarrassing, but now that you look back, you're like, damn, I'm glad that happened or I needed that to happen. What do you think has been your biggest or your best fail so far? Um, I don't know. I go back and forth on this kind of. There's a part of me that thinks... Um, so one of my biggest faults in in terms of like the social networking game is I'm always too slow. Um, a new a new app or idea pops up and I'm like, oh, I don't know if that'll be anything, so I don't touch it. And mm-hmm. then it's huge, and then I jump on. Like, like I was in high school when when Twitter happened. Like I could have been one of the first people on Twitter, like like throwing jokes around. But I was like, that does, that seems silly. Like I was I was I was old enough when YouTube started that like I could have been one of the first people on YouTube making things mm-hmm. but I was like I don't I don't know how I'm not gonna learn how and like that was stupid of me I could have right. you know so I've, I've been trying to work on that like like having looked at the number of times I've done that in the past I'm trying to like look out like what's a thing that I can try and like catch early and use to like to be able to make things that I want to make mm-hmm. um, another thing is like I go back and forth on whether or not I should have just not gone to college at all Okay. Um, on the one hand, like I was, uh, I, uh, I have a summer birthday. So like I was 17 when I graduated. So like moving out to New York at 17, 17 would, have years been, old. would have been a mistake probably. Um, and I wouldn't have known anyone, but like at the same time, what could I have been doing with that time? Those two years when I was sequestered away in Duluth learning maybe like, like the smallest handful of things I was actually going to use, you know? Right. So I sometimes I'm like no that was good for me like I met people that I that I I still like uh, love to this day and then other times I'm like I should have just not see but I think that's I think those two years though I think were crucial to where you are now because that's the thing had you moved out here at seventeen you would have you wouldn't have experienced or met the people or learned the things along the way that you would have in those two years to build you up for the position that you are in now. Yeah. So what do you think? You think overall, looking back on it now? Yeah, probably, I think it was a mistake, but a mistake I'm glad I made, basically. Um, yeah. What, um, what do you think has been your, your hardest lesson that you've learned? Um... It's weird because, like, on the one hand, I'm bad at asking for help, and I'm bad at asking me people too. to, like, help me, like, me make things. Uh, but at the same time, so, like, I, I, like, it's been tough for me to get used to being like, hey, I can't make this on my own. I will ask other people to do it. Like, and I used to be obsessed with this idea of, like, no, I'll make something on my own first, and I'll use that as, like, proof that I can make something when I ask other people. But, like... But when that doesn't turn out, because I was trying to do it on my own, there's a reason for that. So like, get it like learning on the one hand that I need to be able to reach out to the people that I'm that I'm close to for help, um, but at the same time, like, also learning that we're all in the same boat and actually, like, there's so many times my friends need my help and I just can't be there. So like, balancing those two things, like I need to ask for help, but I got to be prepared for people to ask you to, for help be, as well. But also prepared for people just not to be able to help out at the time, you know. So. But I th- so the what the not, you know, um, damn, I get tongue tied. The not having being ready to not have people help out. I love, and I've learned it more and more is when people tell me no, because I I tell people no a lot because I've. Um, I think it's important. That's one thing that people don't understand and they stretch themselves too far is saying no. So that's one of the hardest lessons I think I've learned so far is 
And I love it now, though, is when people tell me no. Because it's like, I might think I'm so great of myself or whatever I have going on is so great, but I need that person to kind of bring me back down and be like, yo, there's there's always going to be somebody who's not going to want to help you out. There's going to want, there's, you know, they might have something going on for themselves. So I appreciate people who tell me no because you have to have those people. Because not everybody's going to tell you, yes, your idea is great. Not everybody's going to, you know, say, yeah, I want to come on your podcast. Like, I need those people to be like, nah, I don't want to do that. And so I think that's one of the hardest, not the hardest lessons, but I think that's one of the things that I've I've sort of fallen in love with is people telling me no because it's also a motivation of like, I bet. So you told me no, now that's just, it means I need to go, you know, I need to go harder. I need to find something to get it more. Um, What would you say, you know, we all, we all have, you know, like that something or somebody who, who inspires us to keep going or something that, like, you know, that we live for daily. What, what would you say that thing is for you? What inspires you or what keeps you going every single day? Um, <clears throat> Right now, her name is Ame LaFond, and she lives in this apartment with me. Okay. Um, uh, I've known her for about five years, and she's the best thing that ever happened to me. So, like, a lot of times when I'm making decisions that are things where, like, I I don't want to do this, but it will make my life better, um, I'm doing it because of her. Like, I want to make my life better because of her. Um... So I'd, I'd say I'd say her for sure is probably my biggest like day to day inspiration. Just like I don't know having someone who makes you want to be better and like who, who um. Who like believes you can be and then also believes you're you're great already. Right. I don't know. I don't know. It's I think done wonders for my life. I think that's like that's a support system. That's a big thing of having. Cause this thing we can. I'm a person who like you said. I don't like to ask for help, but I've also been that person as I've gotten into college and I've started, you know, I'm about to graduate. I've realized that I'm kind of in the mindset of like, I don't need people, you know, cause I like to, like you were saying, it's, um, building something that's your own. Like when you're working on a project that's your own, that's how I like to, when I'm building something that's on my own, I don't like to bring other people in because they're not going to give it the same, you know, dedication as I am. So one thing like yeah that support system and having somebody that you believe in yourself but you have the other person that even on you you know your worst days is going to tell you no keep going like the reason that you're doing everything there's a reason for it and so that's why i say i'm not i can't get into a relationship right now because i'm looking for that person to who's going to make me a better man who as much as i want you know the best for myself and to push me the days that I don't feel like it, they're going to want the best for me, they're going to want to push me too. So I, I definitely believe that's important. I, that's a great thing that you have that, especially out here in yeah. a city like New York, where a lot of people say people out here are mean, you know, and a lot of people really, they might step on your ideas or, you know, your confidence or shoot you down. It is, you know, important to, you know, you had a shitty day to be able to come back to somebody and tell them it's just one day, you know, You've done all this up to this far, you know. Don't just let all that go to waste. So I, I definitely believe that's a blessing that you have that, and I'm happy for you that you're that Thank you're you. able to Thank have you. that. Um, so before we get out of here, because I always love, you know, to have other people give some of their advice. Um, what do you think is the one piece of advice that you have anyone that wants to who's thinking about getting into the acting career or 
dropping out of college and getting into the actor, or just anybody who's out there and wants to pursue their dream in general, what do you think is the best piece of advice that you could give them? The phrase that has helped me like finish the most projects or even like get started or try something I wouldn't have is a simple one that I started using as a mantra two or so years ago, and it's just do the damn thing. Like, whatever it is, like, like if you think you're not ready, if you're not sure about it, like, I don't know... Like, I'm working on a script or whatever, and I don't... I, I don't know if it's perfect yet, but you don't know how to make it better. Just do it. Just make it. If this is the best it's gonna get, this is the best it's gonna get, making it, you're gonna learn something. So... Like, I, I, I have friends with a lot of people who end up not finishing things because they're trying to be perfectionist about it, and it's just, just do it. That's all. Um, and it's tough to find the moments where that's applicable. Because, like, they'll be right in front of you, and you won't be thinking about it. So, like, I have to remind myself, like, is this a moment where I should just be going ahead anyway? Mm -hmm. So, I'd say, I'd say it's that. It's just trying to keep that in mind. That, like, so many times, like, like the thing holding you back is you. Is there, um, last thing, is there any, I don't know, for people who are out there in the acting, in the acting career field, is there any, um, I guess, like, websites that you used or apps or whatever that you, that people can go out there and look that are, if they're looking for casting or if they're looking for something in reference right. to that, is there anything that you've used that's helped you? Yeah, so the biggest, the biggest two that I've, I've used in the past have been on Backstage.com and Actors Access. Okay. Um, though I started... It depends what you're looking for. Backstage.com has a lot of like varying levels of stuff. If you're looking just like, I need to be in projects that'll get made so I have footage of myself, um, Backstage can be a good place to do that um, because there are like a lot of student films and a lot of indie films. Uh, a lot of times you're not likely gonna get paid, but you can find projects you like and and like shoot on the weekends and, and make things. So that's that's pretty good. Um, Actors Access has more like professional uh, castings. The one thing there is a lot of times all those castings are also being sent to all of the agents in the city. Okay. So they'll usually get first pick of of the listings. Um, so there's more like paying work and more like professional quality work being made, but you're sometimes less likely to get an audition via that. Okay. Um, but still, like, I mean, if you don't put your face out there. You, you, you have zero chance. Take a chance so, on yourself. That's yeah. what you do. Just do the damn thing. You got to take a chance on yourself. And so repeat it one more time. What were those two websites so people can go find them? Backstage.com and ActorsAccess.com. You heard it here first from Miles Newberth, ladies and gentlemen. But Miles, again, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate the support. Of course. For real, taking the time to help me build my brand and being my first interview. Um, but before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they can get in contact with you and when they can um, find your portfolio and some of your work. Right. So... If you go to milesnewvirth.com, uh, it's M-I-L-E-S-N-E-U-V-I-R-T-H.com, you can see some of my older headshots, you can see some of the shorts that I have online, and uh, my current acting reel, um, which has some of my best clips. Um, uh, as we mentioned before, if you go just Vimeo or YouTube, Uncle Gareth, um, check that out. It's, it's my favorite project that I've ever been in, hands down. Uh, on... Twitter and Instagram, I'm MilesN005. I don't end up using those for a lot of acting stuff unless I have something I'm promoting specifically, but you can check me out, see what I'm up to at least. Um, other than that, the YouTube channel I'm most usually featured on is called Adustus, um, A-D-U-S-T-U-S. -U -S. 
Uh, and some of our content's based on film, some of our content's based around video games. We've done video essays and sketches. Um, I do that with my, my friend Chris London. He's the, the head of that. And we're looking to branch out and do more things there too. So uh, if you're interested, uh, swing by. Uh, give us a shout out in the comment section. Uh, we'd love to hear from, from any of y'all. Well, Miles, again, thank you for coming on the episode um, and imparting that knowledge and giving some of those people, you know, some insight into the journey of an actor um, and some advice to what, you know, that can help them and where to, like you said, get some of those castings. But that's all for today's episode. And as always, if you've listened to any of these episodes that I put out, any of the content, and you genuinely like it, and you want to hear more, then all I ask is that you subscribe so that way the newest episode of The Gobbles is in, always in your feed. And if you feel that somebody else will genuinely benefit from listening to the game based on sympathy or will enjoy it, then please send it off to someone else to spread the gobbles to another pair of ears. Lastly, don't forget that if you ever want to be featured on the show or know somebody who would want to be featured on the show or want a topic discussed or a question answered, you can always follow me on Instagram at underscore the gobbles underscore, and you can get in contact with me through there. And then in my, uh, in my bio, you'll find a link that you can click to stream the game based on sympathy on the platform of your choice. But Miles, again, one more time, thank you. Of course. Wish you all the best of luck. Thank you for the support. And as always, the game ain't based on sympathy, but you already knew that. I'll catch you next time. How I know if you die for me? Know if you shoot for me? How I know if you still love me? Yeah, yeah. How I know you won't steal from me? Know you won't kill from me? I know that you still love me. Yeah, yeah. Just we gon' ride with them